After winning four straight games, the Giants have now dropped two straight to fall to five and nine as their playoff hopes are slowly slipping away. We break down an ugly 20-6 loss Sunday night to the Browns and look at where the Giants stand in their hopes to win the NFC least. We also will chat with one of the most iconic sports radio hosts of all time. It's the Mad Dog himself, Chris Russo. All that and more next on a Playoff Hopes They're Fading Away edition of Blue Rush from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Show us some love in Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and write in a positive review. We appreciate your support. The iconic sports radio host, the mad dog himself, the marquee, Chris Russo, is going to join us in the second half of the show. Your host of Blue Rush, of course, are Paul Schwartz, the New York Post Giants beat writer, and two-time Super Bowl champion Giants kicker Lawrence Tynes. Guys, the Giants lost their second straight game. They're 5-9, and nine, and uh, the, the playoff hopes that were coming with Thanksgiving time have slowly faded away. It's, it's, uh, it's a rough final couple of weeks here for the Giants if they want to make the playoffs. Lawrence, I cringe saying this, okay? I cringe. As soon as he said it, I said, oh my gosh, Lawrence Tynes is going to have a fit about this. You know what I'm going to say here. Joe Judge's remarks after the game, field goals weren't going to win this game. Field goals weren't going to win this game as a kicker, as a giant. What do you make of that sentence? Field goals. We don't I, need damn field goals. Listen, I, we all you, you guys know how much I like Joe Judge, but he's flat ass wrong right here. Because Wait, you, you can't they, say that on this podcast. Well, they oh. were good enough in Cincinnati when we kicked four of them, and they were good enough in Washington when we kicked three of them. You can win football games kicking field goals, and especially this team. The only reason they were in games to start the season was because of field goals, okay? It wasn't like this Dan Coriel offense, Colt McCoy was going to go out there and throw for 300 yards. You take the damn points early, okay? 13-9 looks a whole lot better at halftime with the guys in the locker room saying, hey, we're four points away. It changes everything. It changes play calling. It changes the attitude of the players. He couldn't be any more wrong here. And and I think he's backtracking. You kick those damn field goals, the whole game is a different game. Not saying we would have won it, but you held that team to 20 points. That's pretty good. I don't think he's backtracking, first of all. Let's break them down, okay? Not just talk generically. They get the ball, Deion Lewis with a great kickoff return, right? They get the ball at midfield. They kind of march down. They get to the eight-yard line, fourth and five. That is completely, it's not fourth and one on the goal line. You kick a field goal, you go up three nothing. Okay, um, what did you see on the fake punt? I didn't see a whole lot there. I saw maybe some openings. Riley Dixon picked the wrong guy in Nick Gates. What did you see on the fake punt? You know the stuff. So it's a swinging gate, and, you know, he was eligible. They just moved the lineman to the side of him, so he was obviously eligible. It's a cool play, but a coach once told me that's on that staff to this day that the people that get paid to throw the football should throw the football. That's not Riley Dixon. That's not his fault. Riley Dixon is a great athlete, 
But if you're going to go for it on fourth and five with a swinging gate field goal, put your damn offense back out there. You just don't let a kid make a throw like that. I know he's a great athlete, but it's different. When you see those bodies in front of you and the moment and the pressure of having to make a throw, it's different. And so quarterbacks get paid to throw the football. Riley gets paid to hold it and punt it. Dixon got a little jittery on a fake earlier in the season. So I don't know what they're seeing in practice that makes you think, you know, this guy's cool, calm, collected. Okay, now the next one. They're down 7-3. Nice drive to the six-yard line of the Browns. Fourth and one. Gallman gets stuffed. It looked to me like Sterling Shepard did not block the safety coming down, to, you know, to put a hit on Gallman. I didn't have a real problem with this one. It's fourth and one. Uh, did you have a real problem with that second one? Yes. Kick it. 7-6, right? Kick the football. It would have been a different game. They can't go back and change this. I know they can't, but I am all – we never ran a fake. Ever under Coughlin. I never Tom ran Coughlin a fake. Did he never have ran a book? Yeah. I mean, yeah, he'd put one in just to appease us if we were bothering <laughs> him about a certain look, but we never even considered running it. And I get it. This is not a juggernaut offense, but I think where the game was, the timing of the game, rely on your defense. You had went down. The offense, for me, they were moving the football. Okay, so I have a big problem with you saying field goals weren't going to win this game. You were moving the ball. I think we had three drives in the first half. You can't count the one where we took a knee. And every one of them resulted in a trip to the red zone. So in my head as a coach, I'm thinking we're moving the football. Maybe we'll punch one in here. So take your field goals early and then maybe go for it late in the second half and you had a chance because if 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 um we make that field well Graham did make the field goal then you're talking about you get a stop you're down by eight I mean I I know it's coulda woulda shoulda but I just like taking the points in the first half I our defense was playing you know pretty good football there's two ways to look at this and and, and I look at it as the negative I agree with you I didn't like these goals I really didn't like the, the fake punt the, the, the second one I think you can you can discuss certainly yeah. but Joe Judge is saying, look, the Browns scored, what, 41 and 42 points the last two games. So so in his mind, he's thinking, we need points in this game, right? We need points. So he's saying, well, I'm leaning on my defense because if we don't score from down inside the deep red zone, then our defense can stop and we can get the ball back. I'm looking at it the other way and saying he doesn't trust his defense to say, you know, he's saying, look, they scored 40 points the last two games in both of them. We can't hold this team to 20, right? We got to score, score, score. That's not what this team is about. This team is about keeping the scores down, mucking it up. Seattle, right? 17 yeah. 12. So I, I, I didn't, I, I agree with you. Now, now Joe Judge could, I mean, he's not hiding behind it. He said, he said, no. I am going to be aggressive, you know, and, and if you don't like it, I'm going to, I'm not afraid to be aggressive. He said very something interesting about the fake punt. He said, if you make it, if you hit that thing, you're the guru. If you don't hit that thing, everyone wants to second guess your decision. I understand that. So he's getting a little prickly here, I think, you know, because these decisions did not come up. And look, the player said the right thing. Sterling Shepard said it. We like our coaches aggressive. Logan Ryan said it. Look, when, when the coach leans on the defense and he calls aggressive things on offense, we got to bail them out. Uh, the first time they did bail them out, they did not score. The second time they stop them on the five yard line, Browns go 95 yards. So yeah, I agree. It was not, it was not, um, but look, th this is kind of lipstick on a pig in some ways. Yeah. They can't score enough points. Okay. No. Even if they kick every field goal they can, they don't have enough points. So what are you seeing with the seven points last week with a hobble Daniel Jones, six points this week with a fresh and ready Colt McCoy. It seemed to me they should have run the ball more earlier. Uh, they were getting, you know, what did you see from this offense and, and what it, more importantly, did you not see from this offense? 
Well, let's clean something up real quick. You have now referred to it as a fake punt twice. It is a fake field goal. Moving on. Um, the offense just cannot create explosive plays, and I really thought Colt McCoy came out slinging it, and I was like, wow, okay, so they're taking some shots, and you know they moved the football. But, again, it, there's just something missing. I don't know if it's a creativity thing or they just don't fool anyone. They And I feel like – it's just like when Daniel Jones is in there. It really doesn't matter. These receivers are not creating any kind of separation from the defender because even Colt had to hold the ball a few times last night, and thank God Daniel Jones wasn't in there because he would have gotten killed. I mean, Colt was able to escape a couple times. The one that, that sticks in my head was when Colt got flushed out of the pocket and Slayton is in the back of the end zone. If he doesn't slip and he comes back to that ball, I mean, he catches it. That's a touchdown, completely changes the game. Again, it's the whole same story. They are just void of dynamic playmakers on offense. They got good players, but I, to your point, I wish they would have really stuck to the run game because in the first half, I think you tweeted it out, they were running the ball really well. And, and you know, just keep pounding away, pounding away, pounding away. The play action was working a little bit. It, they just don't have enough players. I mean, they really don't. I mean, they don't have any explosive players. Evan Ingram had four or five catches, but you don't even remember them, right? We don't. Well, no, he, he, he got a lot of his late. Now, don't forget it was a new play caller freddie kitchens the tight end coach is calling the plays because jason garrett has coronavirus everyone concerned said you know there were no issues uh he was calling same plays that we have uh so that was not an issue but you mentioned lawrence about sterling shepherd and about you know and, and about the, the these um receivers and the these targets not creating separation sterling shepherd had a big problem with that last night when he was uh brought that up and 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 this is what sterling shepherd said i thought it was very interesting uh he was asked sterling uh what is the problem with you guys getting separation and he said i don't know where people are getting that from is that what you're saying we're getting two yards of separation in the nfl that's open i don't know what the an analytics say but you can go off that if you want to I know what I see on film, and for those who think that way, go look at the film. So Sterling Shepard is not buying what you just said about not getting separation. He said, we're getting two yards of separation. Let the analytics say what they want. Now, look, there was one play, Evan Ingram, I think, was open in the end zone, and if Colt McCoy puts some air, you know, gets the ball out to him quicker, it can be yeah. a touchdown. So it's a lot. You know, Colt McCoy doesn't have a rifle. You know, he's not the he's from Texas, but he's not the rifleman. You have that. You have a few, you know, a slip. It, it, all, all these things add up to to just awful offensive football. But Sterling Shepard, and, and that's like, like I said, Joe Judge bristled a little bit about these decisions of second-guessing him. Now Sterling Shepard certainly bristled about this. You guys aren't getting separation. He said, we're getting separation. If you watch these really good quarterbacks, right, like all the good ones, even Baker Mayfield last night, he is not afraid to throw the ball into really tight coverage. He's just not. The Landry touchdown in the end zone was great coverage, but it was an hey, even make better. Make a play, right? Make a play. And, and I watched that, and, and I just don't see and, – and, and when I watch these games – it's Daniel Jones and even Colt maybe did a little bit of a better job of it than Daniel Jones does. Daniel Jones does not throw guys open. If it's not on schedule and it's not there, holy cow, we're going to throw it away or throw it. You've got to throw contested balls in the NFL. Baker Mayfield obviously went through his lumps last year. He, had, he didn't have a great year. He's playing really good football now. 
We just need to see the maturation of Daniel Jones if he plays this year into year three. But I I, I will kind of step back on that because I think NFL DBs are going to have good coverage for the most part. You have to make the throws and let them go make plays because Golden Tate, anytime there's a 50-50 ball, I'd go to him 10 times a game because he has made, he will make contested catches like he did last night again. The, um, and you mentioned Baker Mayfield. You know, I think you know, I'm going to sound like a coach here. You do have to get give credit to the other teams sometimes. The Giants sold out against the run yep. in this game. Nick Chubb, 15 carries, 50 yards, 3.3. You'll take that every day, twice a day. Kareem Hunt, 7 for 21, 3 yards a carry. You'll take that yep. every day. They did a really good job against a dynamic powerhouse running offense. And, and, and you know, Logan Ryan said it. We sold out. And this was interesting what he said about Baker Mayfield. He said that played really efficiently. If we didn't have respect for him before, we definitely have Mm. it now. He was one of the most efficient quarterbacks we have gone against this year. They thought they could confuse him. They could, you know, squeeze off his running game. You know, they do a good job with disguising things and make him make decisions and maybe fluster him. He was terrific. I mean, he was firing lasers. So I think, I I think, you know, the the, the Giants gave Baker Mayfield credit. It's interesting. They said, if we didn't have respect for him before we do now. Yeah, they, uh, you know what they did? I thought that no other team has done against us is that they were sitting down in the zone, but because they had so much time in the pocket, they were sitting down in the zone 15, 20 yards down the field. Most teams will sit seven to 10 yards because of the, the pressure of the D line. They were getting depth in their routes and sitting deep in those zone little pockets that were created by our defense. So, you got to give a lot of credit to them. And Baker Mayfield has a really, really, really strong arm. I mean, we saw that a couple of weeks ago when he threw that ball through the end zone from 70 yards away. He can sling it. I mean, he needs some windows because he's not 6'5", but credit to him, man. They 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 played well. He's playing really good football right now. And look, the defense didn't have their best player back there, James Bradbury. I think these guys were... I, were, I don't were, think it would have you know, mattered. I don't zone. think it would have mattered. Well, it, it would have helped yeah. because these guys, was, as you said, were so soft. You know, James Bradbury's not going to play that yeah. soft. But look, the Giants just lost two games in a row here after that great win in Seattle. They are now tied for... If you're the optimist, tied for second. If you're the pessimist, tied for yeah. third. Technically in third because they are of the same record as the Cowboys, but they lost their game to the Cowboys. Washington lost, but the Giants couldn't make up any ground. Yeah. As I wrote in the post the other day, first place never seems so far away. <laughs> uh, do you sense that too? It's only one game. It's only one game with two to go. Uh, is this just a foregone conclusion? They're never going to see first I, place again? I don't think so. I just keep wanting to have faith in this team if Daniel Jones can come back 90%. I just don't know that he can. I mean, I think with the hamstring and the ankle, if they win, listen, there'll be pandemonium, right? If they win and the and the and Washington loses next week. So then you're playing for something in week 17, which hopefully is the case. So Washington looks scary. If Alex Smith comes back, I think they got to be the favorite right now. But you know, they've got a challenge in front of them. I, I'm not gonna bury them yet. So I'm a little bit optimistic here just just because. Well, look, I mean, Baltimore is uh, uh, the Ravens are good. I mean, they're not unbeatable. You can score on the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is a freak athlete. We know that. We'll get into that later in the week. But because you can score on the Ravens, and then you look at the Giants, who really can't score on anyone. I, I, I it, look, it's going to be very difficult. I feel the playoffs are they're, they're not a pipe dream. They're not. 
I don't think yeah. they're going to get there. But the Giants need to win another game before the end of this year. You know, yeah. they, they can't go sliding down in a four-game losing streak and finish five and eleven, and and it's just kind of like, yeah, we made some progress, but yeah. and, five and eleven, it's no different. And on that note, I mean, Philadelphia has looked really good with Jalen Hurts. I mean, they're playing a different brand of mm-hmm. football, and but Jalen Hurts really. Looks like there's going to be some talks in the offseason there and down in Philly. So I like the way, you know, they're playing. Guys, it's scary that Dallas could actually win this thing. Like we joked about it a couple of weeks ago, they are very much alive to win this division if Washington loses a game. And that's uh, bizarre to think about. And think about the Washington. They competed with Dwayne Haskins against Seattle. And Alex Smith is likely going to be back here. So I think Washington's probably going to win this. But Dallas is definitely interesting. Uh, joining us next on the show It's the Mad Dog, Chris Russo, right here on Blue Rush. Joining us on Blue Rush next is one of the most iconic sports radio hosts of all time. He started off with the greatest sports radio show, Mike and the Mad Dog, which went 19 years strong from 1989 to 2008 on WFAN, where it stood atop the sports radio rating charts for so many years. It's a radio show I would listen to in the fan and watch on Yes Network, and a big part of why I got into the industry. And he would go on to leave WFN and create his own channel at Sirius XM in 2008. That's Mad Dog Radio, where he hosts Mad Dog Unleashed, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM Channel 82, Monday through Friday. You can also see him on your TVs on High Heat on MLB Network. Crank your volumes up on the radio dial. It's the marquee, Christopher, Mad Dog Russo. Chris, welcome to Blue Rush. It's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes. Your old friend, Polly Schwartz. How Boy, are you? That's a hell of an introduction. My goodness. Not bad. Hanging in there, gentlemen. Good to be on today. How are we all doing? Okay. We're hanging in there. Obviously, uh, a loss hangover from uh, what we watched from the Giants last night. Uh, what did you see, and what was a uh, putrid performance on the offensive end? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, listen, the Browns, uh, you wondered about the Browns. Uh, they'd be a little flat off that unbelievable Monday night game, but the Browns had to have the game. Uh, as we all know, they got a very good, they got a good offensive team and a good play quarter. Giants are playing their backup quarterback. And that's our, and the Browns have to win. Yeah, everybody else had won. I mean, that's a hard game. I mean, that's, that, that's a hard game for the Giants to win. With McCoy, there's not a lot there. I think based on the last two weeks, I think it, the Seattle game was an aberration, was not something, was more about Seattle in hindsight than it was about the Giants. I think we've, I think we've come to understand that, at least I have. And, you know, the Giants just, uh, you know, they're not going to beat the Browns in that sort of, the Browns got good players. They got a good offensive line. They got a, two good running backs, Mayfield hot right now. They got good receivers. They got lots of tight ends. The play quarter is pretty good. The Stefanski, I got a lot going on. And the Giants, you know, there's not a lot there. That's basically what we gather out of it. I know everybody's making a big deal about the fake field goal and going forward on fourth down and all that. And I can understand take points on that first drive and not kick the, and not fake something there. You're almost telling your team you're not good enough. But the Giants are going to win a game with two field goals. I mean, so I understand what Judge is trying to do. Uh, could you have taken the three points there and established the game first? Yeah, I guess you could have done that. But I'm not going to kill him on that. I mean, a little too fancy maybe, but I'm not going to kill him. I mean, Giants are not as good as the Browns. I mean, you know, and uh, the Giants, you know, the, 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 I don't think they're as good as Washington, especially when on a Smith place. So from that standpoint, you know, the Giants are probably going to go 6-10. and 10. Uh, I'd like to see Jones play another game or so, but they're probably going to go 6-10 and 10 and regroup for next year. Hey, Chris, it's Paul. It's good to hear from you. Uh, good to hear you on the podcast. Um, uh, you know, you talk about, you mentioned, you mentioned Daniel Jones, you know, and, and look, let's say the Giants win one more game, don't win one more game. 
finish in second or third place. You know, nobody expected a whole lot more from them, but this is such a quarterback driven league. What do you need to see from Daniel Jones? Because if this is all we've seen from him this season, it's not enough, right? I mean, it's you're wondering about this guy. So what do you want to see from him going into 2021? Uh, you know, Paul, I, I don't know. I mean, you're gonna, he's gonna be the quarterback, so you know that. Uh, you like to see a good game where you, at least you can, you, you, you feel decently about it in the off season. But you know, I don't know what you know his health status more than me. I'm assuming he'll play at least one more game. Uh, you know, I would sounds like he was 50-50 yesterday, so he maybe. He, so he'll play, right? I mean, but, uh, you know, barring them winning two games, scoring 35 points each game and him being great, you know, you are in a situation with him where you're going to be a little undecided, undecided if he's that good. I mean, you know, I think the Jets are kind of in the same way now with Donald. I mean, you know, now they're not going to get Lawrence. I mean, is Donald the answer long term? Who the hell knows? I mean, and I kind of feel the same about the Giants. I mean, there's a couple things you see about Jones that you really like. He's had some good moments. Um, he's been hurt a little bit, so you don't want to judge him too much much in the Arizona game, but am I convinced that Daniel Jones is going to be anything more than a, uh, a game manager, medium kind of quarterback, 15, somewhere between 12 to 15? No, I'm not. I don't think any Giant fan can say that he is, because you can't say that. You know, I think Judge is going to be a good coach. Uh, I think you're good in that scenario. I think he's a good head coach. I think he's got a good feel of what's going on. The defense is a little better. Um, you know, Barkley will help when he comes back. Offensive line, they should have taken the kid from Louisville with their pick in the draft along the left tackle. I said that's not a second guess. I said that at the time. The guy was too, it was an animal. And Thomas, you know, you study him more than me. Seems to be okay, but I don't know if he's going to be great. But I mean, get him is going to be back too. You know, I think the Giants, you know, they didn't fall off the face of the earth. They'll probably win six games. They showed some, they had a good win in Seattle, sort of brought back the old days. They didn't embarrass themselves. But are you convinced that the quarterback and the GM, are you convinced that you're in good shape going forward? I don't know if I'd be if I'm a Giant fan. I am convinced about the coach, but I'm not sure about, I shouldn't say I'm convinced about the coach. I'm optimistic about the coach. I'm not entirely convinced on the QB or the GM, but they're going to be back, I would think, and you guys are better on it than me. I would think both will be back next year. Hey, Chris, Lawrence here. Thanks for coming on. Good to have you, boy. Thanks, Lawrence. Thank you, buddy. Go ahead. Yeah, so on the coaching lines, um, Matt Rule was probably a guy you liked more than Joe Judge in the in the phase where they were hiring coaches. Would you would you like a do-over on that based on what you've seen from Joe Judge? No, I, no, I think they're both going to be good. Uh, I think Rule's done a good job. Uh, they're competitive, too. He hasn't had McCaffrey all year. Sort of like Barkley, McCaffrey is almost better in this form of football with his ability just to be involved in every play, uh, receiving and everything else. I think both are going to be good coaches. I, I think both are. I, I think, you know, I would have wanted Rule because I thought his offense, but I think Rule is good and I think Judge is good. I like Judge. I think Judge, his team plays hard for him. I think he's a no-nonsense guy. Uh, you know, um, his clock management seems to be pretty good. I don't think anything's been that glaring. Um, they play hard for him. They had really a horrendous game against San Francisco in the second half, and they were pretty bad against Arizona. But for the most part, they've been pretty competitive in every game they played. Uh, I think you got to feel pretty confident about the coach. I mean, again, uh, to me, the quarterback is the key. And I think the negative on the quarterback is now you've had two years. First off, he's been banged up a little bit. And you've had two years of them. And I don't think you can say definitively one way or the other if you think this kid's going to be good. So you can say definitively that Josh Allen is good. You can say definitively that Justin 
Herbert is going to be not good. And Allen might be great too. Herbert's going to be great. You can say that definitively. I think Murray, I think Murray out in Arizona is going to be good. I think you can say that with some confidence. But you really can't say that about Jones. Now, Again, he doesn't have a lot to work with. I, I get that. And obviously, you know, he's been hurt a little bit, and the team's been bad. So I understand that, too. He's had a couple of coaches, so it's a little unfair. But, uh, you know, Anthony Lynn isn't Don Coriel either. And, and, and we all know uh, he, Herbert's going to be not good. Herbert's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. Great. And, you know, he came out this year, and Jones got a couple years on him, and you can't say any, anything near that with Jones. That's what would concern me. You go into the offseason, you know, barring two great games, here, which you're probably not going to get, is going into the offseason with your fingers crossed that you have a decent quarterback. Because right now, you don't know you do. Make a long story short. You know, Chris, it's interesting because you're right about Jones. Last year at this time, we felt better about Daniel Jones than we do this year at this time. And so that is troublesome. But everyone says the old three years, give it three years. So he will get his three years. I just want to switch gears. I've always wondered this, Chris, when I when I see your career. You know, in our business, we do a lot of hirings and firings, right? You get on the airwaves. Um, I write sometimes uh, about stuff like this. The GM's got to go. Head coach has got to go. Fire this guy. Fire that guy. Get this guy in. Get this guy out. When you started Sirius, that was basically your job, right? To create a sports channel, hire people, and if need be, fire people. So switching gears to that, how from that side do you see the business now when you have to be in a position to do what you've advocated on the airwaves for so long? Hire this guy, fire this guy. Toughest thing about starting a channel is that you can't do, I was doing a five-hour show without commercials and trying to figure out a way to, to hire a staff. And that is very, very difficult to do. And I, I, you can't, one person can't do it, especially on a place like Sirius where you're trying to form a, and, and trying to start a, it's very difficult. So we went through a lot of different morning shows. And then, of course, remember, you know, Sirius is not going to pay the other hosts on our channel a fortune. So you hire a morning uh, show, and we had a couple of good ones. One guy leaves to go here. One guy leaves to go there. You know, Gary Williams is a good morning host. He goes to the golf channel, which, you know, that hurt us. So, you know, we hire Feinstein to do 10 to 1. He leaves. You know, it's very, then you have a morning show with Bill Pito and Murray and and the upper management doesn't love them. It's very, very difficult. So we've had to make, you know, a lot of changes, some good, some bad. It's, I had a fire, my overnight guy, um, one time at four, at 6 a.m. in the morning, as soon as he was off the air. Not easy to do that. And he was based out of San Francisco. Very, very hard to do. And you got to please a lot of people. And Sirius is always looking for a buzz. So the ho-hum hire that you think is a solid 280 hitter, hit 15 homers and knock in 75 runs, Sirius isn't always looking for that. Problem is, Sirius, you know, is not going to sit there and pay a guy a million dollars. And so as a result, finding that guy and just to start, it's, it's not easy. It, 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 it's very tricky. So, and not be too New Yorkish or too Northeastern is hard. So that's what I've learned more than anything else. And I don't, you know, does Chris Russo want to pick up the phone and fire people left and right? And I had to fire Pito. We moved Murray. Bruce Murray, obviously my overnight guy, Dino Costa had to let go a couple different times. And, you know, a lot of these guys came to Sirius because I hate to say this without sounding arrogant, but they came to Sirius because I was there. 
you know, I got a chance to work on with Russo. I got to take the Andy Kresh is another one. I got to take this. And so then they come here and, you know, changes in management. They want to do this. They want to do that. You got, I got a boss too. So as a result, it becomes a very, very tricky situation. And, you know, I'm trying to put together a five-hour show every day on a channel without a hometown team, trying to find my niche, trying to figure out how to do a show on Sirius where it's nationally oriented, trying to find things to keep it interesting for five hours. I mean, that's 25 hours a week of sports talk. That's a lot. And also figuring out management teams and hosts very tricky. So I wouldn't wish that on anybody. I did it for five years. Second contract, I didn't. But it's funny, they do go through me and, you know, they get nervous if they make sure that they, that I'm A-OK for what I think about certain moves that they make. But it's hard. It's, it's hard. You know, you're playing with somebody's life, Paul. That's the one thing. And as you said, you know, when I was on FAN, if I wanted to fire Mike Milbury, I said it. If I want to fire you know, uh, Rich Kotite, I said it. If I wanted Ray Hanley out of there, no problem. Say it. I wanted, uh, you know, Don Nelson out of there to bring in Van Gundy, uh, no problem. Fire him. You know, it, it's a little, you do that, you're kind of in a little bubble. You don't realize that is somebody you're hurting there. And so I, I realized, to be honest with you. I'm an avid listener of Mad Dog Radio. I used to work at Sirius, and I could say, through all the trials and tribulations, I like the lineup now. I think Babs and Babchick and uh, Evan, wow. A great morning show. Shine is one of my favorites. Adding George Rice to a lot of people don't know is a guy I used to do a weekly spot on ESPN Radio in New Hampshire with, and this guy has really come up and is a really great overnight ad, has a lot of passion, uh, former Jaguars tight end. Uh, so the lineup there at Mad Dog Radio is really good. Through You've been through a lot, a lot of hosts, but I think the guys you have there now are, are doing a terrific job. Do you ever miss New York sports radio? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I miss the two things. Yeah, the two things I would miss. Uh, I miss uh, a co-host occasionally uh, where you could, uh, you know, you got something you can bounce off, you know, bounce off thoughts, ideas, uh, you know, a conversation, topics. You miss that, and I don't have that with Mike, so that's one thing I miss. Not every day, but that is one thing that I miss. And the other thing I think you miss when you're doing a national show is you miss, you know, you don't have a hometown team. Now, that's good and bad. The bad is I don't want to sit there and by dissect every trade known to man, you know, who the Knicks going to get at the deadline. I mean, you know, I don't have to worry about that. By the same token, though, uh, you know, there are days, you know, in the middle of whenever where nothing's going on, July, February, where you can latch on to your hometown team in that particular sport. And I don't have that right now. So in other words, in the middle of February, you know, I can't break down the Jets draft pick. Nobody in, nobody in Walla Walla cares what the Jets are going to do now with the second pick. Uh, there's a give and take there. The great thing about what you can do, the way we do it here on Sirius, you can do anything you want. You know, flexibility, and nobody's going to tell you that you can't do this and can't do that. The flexibility that is Sirius offers is absolutely superb. And nobody, again, tells you what to chat about, which is great. If there is, a, is an issue that you have to deal with as a talk show host, this is on the air, is that you are on there every day, and there are days where you're not going to be able to break down the managerial thing with the one team. Topic that, you know sort of resonates with as large a population as possible. So you have to think about that. The guy in Detroit, again, doesn't care so much about what the guy in Jacksonville thinks. So you have to remember that when you're doing these shows. Uh, other than that, uh, I, I, I love the, the format is phenomenal. I mean, I love that. I think the lineup's pretty good. We just hired Pat McAfee. Now, that's a different kind of guy. There's an example of uh, Sirius making a decision uh, that, you know, what they, that they want to do. He's got 2 million uh, Twitter followers. Social media is serious. 
serious, uh, the social media, his social media deal is phenomenal. He's everybody knows who Pat is, but you know, normally that would not be a guy that would I would think of in New York where he's going to use a lot of bad language and all. He's great with the football. He's got Aaron Rodgers on every Tuesday, so you can't beat that for 30 minutes. So it's a give and take. So you have to you have to accept that. Don't take it too seriously. Don't get too worked up one way or the other, and go on there every day and do the best you can. I mean, that's that's basically my philosophy at 62, 61 years of age. In the old days, I used to be worried, boy, you know, me and Mike are fighting. He's driving me crazy on this. I'm driving him crazy on that. And, you know, you can't get through the day with, uh, you know, without hating him or him hating you, those periods where that occurred. Now, I try not to get too worked up by it. Do the show, best I can do, give everything I got, and at 6 o'clock, have a cocktail. That's basically how I look at it. From a day in day out basis, that's how I basically look at it. Hey, Chris, I'll have you know that the Blue Rush podcast is number one in Tunisia. Um, but having said that, where do where do where do kickers fall on your on your guest list hierarchy? How many kickers that you think you've talked to over the years? Yeah, McAfee, I I don't remember if we had Lawrence on after that Green Bay game in 08. Uh, did we have you on Lawrence? I don't know if we. I'm you sure know, you were I, on FAN. I, I, I did. I. Probably because I did so many, but yeah, I, I think I might have been jumped on. You would there. remember Mike and the Mad Dog, though. You get, you got to remember. Yeah, uh, you know that. he, you know we had, that was such. I was at that game. I'm sure Paul was too. Um, and you, that was an incredible, that was an incredible performance. And you really showed some guts. You had missed a couple, and you came back and knocked it in. The kickers. I'm trying to think. Uh, I tell you, the kickers. I tell you one thing. I say about the kickers now. Lawrence can address this better than me. I mean, a 55 yard field goal is like a, it's no big deal. In in, in the old days. 10, 15 years ago, you know, anything from 45 yards up was still, you know, a little doubt. Now these guys are so good that, I mean, the 52, 53-yard field goal is just, it's, you know, he's supposed to make it. I mean, it's, I was actually surprised yesterday when the Rams didn't kick the 54-yarder to try to tie the game in the last possession. It, it, everybody is, you know, the Kansas City guy is great. Tucker never misses. He never misses. The, the, the Raven kicker. And knows that there was a little bit more of a hap, haphazardness you know, 15 years ago, these kickers are so good now, Lawrence. It's it's like a the kid down in New Orleans is good. Lots, I mean, and some of it. There's the a lot of good though. Some there's still the, some bad out there though. There's still some. The, I, there's the bottom ten guys are. Uh, well, the Sandy, the Charger kicker stinks badly. Always terrible. <laughs> uh, Bailey, you know, we all know Bailey. Uh, you know, he's not as good as he was, so that would be one. Parquet uh, from the Browns isn't good. Um, and I like what they did with the extra point. Moving it back, there's a little bit more of a um, – I thought that was the right move. I think I think contributes to these coaches going for two all the time. Uh, but I'll say, I'll say one thing. If anybody beats the Chiefs, I'll be shocked. That quarterback is so – that quarterback is so good. He, I mean, he never – he does everything. I mean, he, he, he is so – so good, Mahomes. I mean, what he does, he improvises, he moves around, flips the ball all sorts of ways. He's got speed all over the place. Oh, my God. You know, anybody could lose in a game. I get that. But I would be pretty surprised that Chiefs don't win the whole thing. I really would. You know, Chris, Mahomes is the kind of guy that does what we all would in- imagine we could do on the schoolyard because it looks like he's playing on the schoolyard, except it's on the biggest stage of all. It's really incredible. You've done everything in the business, but what is going to happen, what, next week with your son? I mean, we give parents a chance here to 
in the Yiddish word is kvel, you know, to, to, to just go on about their kids. I mean, can you just talk about, and, and I think it's ridiculous when people say, well, it's nepotism. Well, duh, you know, let the kid, you know, that's what you're in the business. Let your kid go have a shot on FAN, right? This has got to be an incredible, is it, are you going to be nervous listening to your kid on FAN? You next know, week? I, I'm going to work that day. So literally I'm going to have him up against me. If you can imagine that, you know, I wouldn't have done it. First of all, if I did, you know, I just put him on the radio here a couple of weeks ago, spur of the moment when the Raiders threw the pass against uh, against the uh, against Williams's defense there because he's a huge Jaguar fan and the Jag, you know he's been very unlucky with his sports teams the A's he loves the A's and they never won a playoff series and you know the the Jaguars obviously lose our championship game they've been terrible um, since they lost to the Patriots so he's been really unlucky so I was and he's had some health issues too he's had a bad back and he broke his collarbone he's had a lot of, so I I was very very happy for him yesterday and he was so upset that that Saturday when and the Raiders won. So I decided that Monday, I was looking for a lead, and this is what you can do in serious. I said, you know what? He's been on the morning men. What the hell? Put him on. He was home. And so I said, here, here's another, uh, we'll call you regular line. I'll, I'll see you in 15 minutes and just come on and tell me what you think in the Raiders. So he comes on at 306. That's all I thought of it. And then, um, you know, if Carton called me about a week later and said, what do you think? And uh, I wouldn't have put him on, or I would say no to it. And the Carton and I relationship, you know, Craig and I have sort of gotten by that anyway. I'm not worried about that. You know, he caught and killed you. You killed him. Now you're working together. Who cares? Uh, it's over with. Bygones be bygones. And as far as putting them on, I wouldn't do it if I didn't think you could handle it. You know, is he going to break down to 62 minutes? No. Uh, nobody can. These these hosts don't do that like they like we did in the old days. But as far as handling the day-to-day deal of sports today, and as far as, you know, just going on here and not being nervous and having some presence, you know, he'd be choppy, but he'd have presence. You can tell he knows what he's talking about. You got me as a father, I, you know, with sports. How does he not know that? He'd be, he'd be fine. And I wouldn't have done that if I thought he'd be a little intimidated. But I won't go out of my way to listen. I don't want to make him too nervous. I'll get the reports. I'll hear the snippets. Uh, but he'd be good. I'm telling you, you know, for a two-hour period, he, he will go on there. And remember, it's Carton's show that he's doing. So the only person who really should be offended is Evan because he's not taking Moose's and Maggie Gray's hour away or he's not taking, you know, uh, say uh, something on my show an hour away or another host. He's taking Evan's couple of hours away. So Evan is the guy that you'd be most worried about if he felt offended. Now, he's not going to tell me if he was anyway because he can't, but I'd like to think he gets it. So that's what the nepotism folks would say. Well, hold on now. You're taking two hours away. You're taking two hours away from Carton's show. It's different. But you take it for your kids. Lawrence, you do it for his kids. Jake, you do it for your kids. If somebody calls you up to go on FAN for two hours on December 30th, says, can your kid come on? You'd be an idiot if you said no. You'd be an idiot. Jeff hasn't met his kids yet. I, I know. I have zero kids uh, or, or wife. I'm a single man. Um, but yeah. I, oh, are you really? Well, good, good for you. Yeah, good tw- for you. I'm 29. So I got a, at least three or four more years until I'm even thinking about that. And you know in the radio industry how low the pay is early on. So I'm still uh, working my way up. Don't, yeah, uh, apps, that's how you got to do it. Don't, rankings, don't yeah. go crazy. Uh, I didn't get married till I was 35. Is a perfect example. That's what I'm targeting, like 35. Um, yes, yeah, Sunny and Sunny Carton and Colin Russo, two to four p.m. Wednesday, December 30th on WFN. And listen, let's be real. It's Carton's show, like you said. So I, I don't know if Evan was going to say anything uh, since Carton's got there. I love Carton, so I think he really, you know, the fan is saved because of Craig Carton. Whether you love him or hate him, I think him coming back was so huge for that station. He's got juice. He's got juice. There's no question about it. He's got juice. 
And that's what, you know, in this day and age, you're going to be, Paul, you know this. Lawrence, you've been around long enough. You, you have to be compelling. You don't, have, you don't have to be loved. You don't have to be loved. But you, if you're a columnist, if you're a broadcaster, if you're whatever you do, you have to get people to respond to you. That's the bottom line. If you're going to do this line of work, and the thing about Craig is he gets people to respond. Not always positive. You got to live with it. They don't love me either. Not all positive, but you got to live with it. Chris, you know what I always said about you and Mike, and you especially, is that when people would say, did you hear what those nut jobs or did you hear what those jerks said yesterday? And it was like, that was the, 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 the brilliance of it because, right, you don't have to love what everyone says, but you just have to listen to them and get ticked off or pumped up or aggravated or enthralled by what they say, right? I mean, how many times, Chris, have you said something on the air and if nobody responds to it, you're like, well, I guess that didn't resonate. They don't, you don't care if they hate you, right? As long as they tune in. No, you don't want to be nuts about it and just make things up just to get people to react to you. So there's a fine line there. You don't want to do that either. But uh, to be a good talk show host in this, in this genre, there's so many shows. There's so many podcasts. People, there's so many ways, social media. I mean, to stand out, you have to have opinion and you have to have strong opinions. You got to have some stuff to back it up and not be afraid to say something. That's what it comes down to. Uh, and if you have that, you will, you know, you have a chance to, you know, it's much easier for Mike and me and, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, because there weren't that many of these shows. You know, it was FAN. How many shows were there? There wasn't any internet. There was, it was 1989 is a long time ago. You know, now it, it's even harder to make, uh, to make, uh, uh, to make your presence felt because of uh, the, you know, the amount of media guys who have a say in, in our in our business, in the sports business. There's so many places to get information. So to stand out is very hard. I mean, I don't know how some of these young kids do it. it it's very, 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 very difficult. Uh, you know, 89, I mean, you know, geez, there's five radio stations in the country doing sports talk. There's nobody doing it in the middle of the afternoon. And here comes me and Mike on a 50,000 watt radio station that has the Mets, the Giant, all these teams. Knicks, and we're given, you know, go do two to seven. I mean, well, that's a lot easier than it is today where somebody gives you a podcast and say, okay, now go sell it, go make noise, go make something happen, go get the guests on without paying them and see if you can get something done. That's hard. Jeez, that's hard. And you're one of a million out there. That's very, very, very difficult. Look at you guys. Yeah, you got to work hard to do these things properly. That is very, very, very difficult. I've learned that a little bit on, on serious. You know, there's a lot of, you know, you don't want to get lost. You want to make sure that, you know, you're being heard. I had the advantage of having 19, 20 years at FAN before I got here. But if you didn't have that and you just show up at serious to do a show, geez, you can get lost. So that's another reason why you give Colin a chance to do two hours on FAN because FAN still has that history about it and that presence that you can make in, uh, and a big, you know, big radio station, big frequency and turd all over the place and middle of the day, good time to be on. Hey, how do you not take advantage of that if you're a young kid? Now, listen, he's going to college. He's going to graduate here for the day. He's going to Wisconsin. He's at Wisconsin with Paul's kid. He's there. And he's not going anywhere. So I don't care if uh, ESPN opened him. I know this sounds crazy. Five-year contract, do what you want. I don't care. He's going to be on. He's going to college. But this gives him a little taste of it, what to expect. Yeah, well said, Chris. And, you know, this is just such a tough industry. I'm here running all seven of our New York Post podcasts, and they do bad. I have no job. So it's uh, there's, it's an oversaturated market, really, with podcasts now that everyone's doing one. Um, that trying to monetize off them, it's really difficult. And, you know, that's why we give you credit, all the success you've had over these 30 plus years. Last one for you, you're 61. How long are you doing this, man? When, are, are you going until well, 75? I, you know, what do you think? 
Yeah, you know, geez, uh, uh, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, I have a, I still have a kid in high school, so he's got two more years to go, so I'm not going to sit there and leave one. You know, I think you have to be careful because once you do retire, you really probably should stay retired if you've been in the media business. It's not like you haven't, you know, if you're in, uh, you know, if you're a salesman or you work for IBM and you quit, you can come back, nobody cares. But to go off the air and come back, that's tricky. If you take, you know, I've retired and then all of a sudden a year and a half later, there you are again. So you have to make the right decision there. But I do have a kid who's still 15 years old. What am I going to do if, uh, if I just retire in the middle of the wintertime. I mean, I'm not taking them out of school, so I'm sitting in Connecticut with a snowstorm. I might as well work. So as soon as, I, as, soon as I'm into it still, you know, I'll tell you what's going to be a tough adjustment to me is going back on the commute to the city. Because remember, I have done everything out of my house for the last since March. That includes the baseball show, TV. So, you know, to do that for the last 10 months, uh, there's some negatives to it, but you're home. To get back when this ends, and this will end sometime. It's not going to go forever. Vaccines. When this ends, to get back on a train 17 hours a week to commute to and from the city will be a major adjustment. I've been, I've been a little worried about that. And I'm assuming I'll probably have to do that. So that will be interesting to keep an eye on because that's going to be in the summertime next fall. But not the summer, because summer you take a lot of vacation. Next fall, because that's hard. You know, you've been sitting home for a year and a half doing everything. You save a lot of time. I mean, it's an hour and a half each way for me to get to work. That's three hours both ways. Get home at 8 o'clock at night, blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't have to do that now. To go back and doing that again at 61, 62 years of age will be interesting in my mindset. That's something I've been thinking about. But we'll see. I'm still a ways off from that yet. That decision. Yeah, it's weird going from home. I'm not even looking forward to going back to Midtown when we have to go. I've gotten so used to doing all these shows from home. It is a different lifestyle. And even just walking around without a mask and walking around and going to places that are open is going to be a weird adjustment, um, getting back to the normal life. So Chris Mad Dog Russo, catch him on Mad Dog Unleashed, 3 to 6 p.m. on Sirius XM, Channel 82, and High Heat on MLB Network. Uh, It was a pleasure to uh, chat with you, man. Appreciate you coming on Blue Rush this morning, and uh, we'll talk to you later on. Appreciate it. Guys, Paul, great job. Lawrence, always a pleasure. Knock him dead. Okay, buddies. That says cheerio to episode 60, the Sean O'Hara edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Blue Rush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your bloody pods. For Paulie Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. We jump back into your lugs on Thursday to preview the Giants-Ravens game. Thanks for listening, folks, and stay safe. Flat ass.